Today, Holy Mother Church celebrates the great solemnity of Corpus Christi, the most precious body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this solemnity, this great feast day, has ancient roots. It goes back to the year 1263, actually, when there was a priest who was on pilgrimage to Rome. Uh, he was returning to his homeland, to his own country in northern Europe. And in or around the town of Orvieto, which is about an hour and a half north of Rome on, by train now, in or near the town of Orvieto, he was celebrating Mass. And during the consecration of Mass, during Mass in which the, the uh, bread and the wine become the body and blood of the Son of God, he doubted. He doubted that this was really taking place. And at the moment of consecration, at the words of institution of the Eucharist, which turn regular bread and wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ, the host, as he raised the host above the altar, the host began to bleed. And blood dripped onto the altar, onto the corporal, which is a square white piece of cloth which sits on top of the altar. This happened in front of the entire congregation. The priest immediately repented of his doubt and he informed the bishop of what had happened. The bishop then in turn informed the pope of what had happened. And then it was not soon after that that the pope declared the great solemnity of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And for 750 years, give or take a few years, we've been celebrating this same solemnity. So this Eucharistic miracle, this particular Eucharistic miracle in 1263 occurred because the priests doubted. And if you look at the other Eucharistic miracles which have taken place since then, often it's because uh, the priest doubted, the priest himself doubted, or, or uh, members of the congregation, or the entire congregation doubted that, that the Eucharist is really the Eucharist. I'm actually surprised that there's not more Eucharistic miracles today, especially in the United States. I'm, I'm really shocked. Because if, if many, if not most, of the Eucharistic miracles occur when, when people doubt the presence of our Lord, it should be happening all the time in the United States. You know, we, we look at these, uh, these polls which are um, taken of Catholics in the United States consistently every year showing that at least half, maybe even more than half, Catholics don't believe that the Eucharist is the Eucharist. And I, I just ask myself, whenever I see these polls, I hear about them, I ask myself, how can this be? I mean, how can, how can somebody even call themselves Catholic if they don't believe that the Eucharist is the Eucharist? I mean, why even go to Mass if you don't believe that the Eucharist is the Eucharist? Because there's, there's many other things you can do if you don't believe that the Eucharist is the Eucharist. And then I think, well, maybe that explains why more than half of Catholics in the United States, and this is before COVID, don't go to Mass. Maybe it's because they don't believe that the Eucharist is the Eucharist. But sometimes, in the past almost 14 years of... Um, of priestly ministry, sometimes when I'm distributing Holy Communion, I'll just look down the communion line. I'll just look down the communion line. And um, sometimes uh, in the past, I've seen people, uh, they, they're completely distracted. Sometimes they're shaking hands with people as they're coming up the communion line. Sometimes they're chewing gum. Sometimes they're talking to the person in front of them or in, in back of them. Sometimes it's reminiscent of 
of the, uh, the school lunch line I was in when I was in elementary school. Completely distracted. Completely not realizing who or what they're going to receive in just a few moments. They're going to receive God. They're going to receive God. I think that if we conducted a scientific exper experiment, we're unable to do this because we're limited on finances, but if I was to print in uh, next Sunday's bulletin that the following Sunday, every person comes to Mass is going to receive $50,000 in cash. $50,000 in cash. The next Sunday, I guarantee we would have a line a mile long. I guarantee it. Like I said, we can't conduct this experiment. But I guarantee the Sunday after that, we'd have a million people at Mass. I guarantee it. If I was to say, I'm going to give every person $50,000 in cash. But I'm giving people God. I'm giving people the Son of God with a value. It's an infinite value. Body and blood of Jesus Christ, Son of God, who died on the cross for you and for I, for the redemption of our sins. Forgiveness of sins, our salvation. I think that people just don't understand who or what they're receiving. About 25 hours ago, I was in the uh, Cathedral of St. Louis, the King of France, in New Orleans, in the Archdiocese of New Orleans and Louisiana, getting ready for an ordination mass, in which five men were ordained to the priesthood. And as we were, the priests were vesting, preparing, we were in this particular room, and there's a very beautiful mosaic above uh, one of the doors, which showed the, uh, the seal uh, for the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And it's also on the seal of the state of Louisiana. And it shows this image of this pelican surrounded by three baby pelicans. And it's showing this pelican with its beak. Uh, it's plucking uh, its, its breast, its chest. And what it's doing is it, it's taking flesh out of its chest to feed its young. And this is a, a, a very early Christian symbol because it was thought uh, that... Um, in early Christianity, it was thought that in times of famine, that a pelican, uh, in order to feed its young, young pelicans, uh, if there wasn't any other food, it would, it would take flesh from its own body and feed it to the young and allow those younger pelicans to drink its own blood so they wouldn't starve. It's very beautiful. You know, this, this parent pelican sacrificing its very life for its younger it's young pelicans to, to survive, to live. And this is why the Christians adopted this early symbol. I was in uh, one of the oldest and most important basilicas of Rome just about two years ago in Santa Sabina. And sure enough, on one of the side altars, there's a very beautiful image of a pelican with three baby pelicans at its, at its um, base. And this, older, this parent pelican is feeding. And if you're to go to some of the, the most ancient catacombs in Rome, you're going to see this image of this pelican in, uh, painted on the walls of the cathedral, of the uh, catacombs. You're also going to see this in, the, in some of the earliest sarcophagi of the Christians, you know, second, third, fourth century Christians. So it's a very beautiful reminder to me 
And I think it should be a reminder to all of us. You know, there's a reason why the early church adopted this symbol. This is what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is doing for us. On the cross, he's dying for you and I. And in the Eucharist, when we receive his flesh and blood, it's so that we can live. And it's at the expense of his life. It's at the expense of the life of the Son of God. Somebody has died for you. His name is Jesus. He has died for you. That's worth so much more than $50,000. I remember a young man in a, a previous assignment, and I thought he was Catholic because he, he came to Mass every Sunday with his family. And I found out a couple months later that uh, he's actually Pentecostal. And um, so after a couple more months, I, I asked, I said, what's, what's gonna, what's going, when are you going to come into the church? And what are you waiting for? And he said he was still discerning and praying. And then one day, and I was, I was very curious because this man, he brought people to mass every other Sunday. He brought visitors. And he brought over the course of those two or three years, he brought more people to mass by himself than the rest of the congregation combined. I mean, this guy was on fire. He wasn't even baptized Catholic, and he was doing this. And one day he came to me and said, Father, I'm ready. I'm ready. I believe, and I, I believe, and I profess, and I, I want to become Catholic. Especially, I, I want to receive the Eucharist. And I said, well, what, what changed? He said, he said this. I watch the way you purify the vessels following Holy Communion and realize it has to be the Son of God. With such great care you take in purifying the vessels, making sure that every particle of the Eucharist is, is consumed. It's not left on the altar, it's not accidentally dropped on the floor or whatever. That's what brought him into the church. It was the Eucharist. I also remember talking to a, a Protestant lady, young lady, and uh, she expressed some interest into, about coming into the church and I, and I told her uh, about RCIA and some ways to pray. And I said, you know, one of the things you can do is come to uh, Sunday Mass. Um, even though you can't receive the Eucharist, you can still come. You can come to a daily Mass and so forth. And she said, well, what about adoration, Father? When do you have adoration of the Blessed Sacrament? And I, I was a little perplexed I, because most Catholics don't even know what adoration of the Blessed Sacrament is. When we come and, and the Blessed Sacrament is placed on the altar and we come and we sit, we kneel, we stand before our Lord in silent prayer and we wait for the Lord in the Eucharist. The Eucharist, who is the Lord Jesus? We wait for the Eucharist, the Lord Jesus, to speak to our hearts in adoration. Most Catholics don't do it. And I said, how do you know about adoration? She said, well, some people have told me. And she said, I, I want to come to adoration because... If I come to Mass, I'm not able to receive the Lord Jesus in the Eucharist. So I want to come and kneel before him. This is from a Protestant woman. You know, the faith of people who aren't even baptized Catholics, that believe that the Eucharist is the Eucharist. It's just powerful. It's amazing. And that young man, when he became Catholic, he was, his heart was set on fire for Jesus Christ evangelizing about Holy Mother Church. And I believe that this, this young woman, if she becomes Catholic, I think it's not if, it's when. 
And I, I know that her heart is going to be set on fire too. She's going to be an on-fire Catholic. Because they open their hearts to, to be able to believe that the Eucharist is the Eucharist. And I think it's something that we have to do as well. I mean, after all, the Eucharist is a source and summon of our faith. And I've, as I've preached many times, the Holy Roman Catholic Church is a Eucharistic church. Without the Eucharist, there is no church. So if we don't believe that the Eucharist is the Eucharist, we have to ask for a special grace to remove those obstacles of doubt in our life and in our heart. I think one important way is to prepare for Holy Mass. To prepare for Holy Mass. And this includes reading the readings before you come to Holy Mass. It, it could also mean preparing through prayer on the morning before you come to Mass. It could be showing up more than just a minute or two before Mass and, and kneeling down and praying in silence and preparing your heart to receive the gift of the Eucharist. St. Teresa of Avila says 500 years ago, so many people today do not receive the graces they, they're asking for from God because their hearts are simply not prepared to receive them. Their hearts are not yet prepared to receive that grace, and so God has not yet given that grace. And so many people, they, they come before the Eucharist, and although they are receiving the body and blood, the flesh and blood of the Son of God, their heart is not really prepared for that. Because of that, they're missing out on so many graces. So it's important to prepare to receive the Eucharist so we know, we acknowledge who and what we are receiving. Also, I think that reverence uh, during Holy Mass is very important. Almost two years ago when I began uh, to be the uh, senior priest or the pastor here, I said my primary goal is to help you to grow in holiness, to help you to grow in holiness. That was my primary goal. And I said the, the number one way I'm going to do that, I'm going to strive to do that, is through reverence in the liturgies. Reverence in the sacred liturgies. Because if we're reverent in the liturgy, we realize that what or who I'm receiving is the Son of God. You know, a lot of people look at Jesus as like their best buddy, like their best friend. They treat Jesus like they would a best friend or like one of their other friends. Well, that's nice, but he's also God. He's also God. And we have to acknowledge that when we approach our Lord in, in Holy Communion, we're about to receive the creator of heaven and earth into your hand or on your tongue. So reverence, I think, is very important. And, and finally, I think the thanksgiving, giving thanks to God for this incredible gift. I'm sure that some people would, would thank me if I gave them $50,000 after I, I'm sure after Mass they'd come to me and they would say, thank you, Father, for this great gift. You know, the question is, do we, do we take a few minutes after Mass to kneel down to acknowledge this gift which is still inside of you? Jesus Christ, same Jesus Christ who was born of the Virgin Mary, who died on the cross, rose from the dead, that same Jesus Christ is, is in you for a few moments, for a few minutes, physically, substantially inside of you. Do we take the, the time after Mass to, to thank God for this great gift? Oh, the Son of God is still physically and substantially inside of us. So as we continue with the solemnity of the most precious body and blood of Jesus Christ, Corpus Christi, we ask our Lord for a special grace to remove any obstacles which may prevent us from fully believing that the Eucharist truly is the flesh and blood of the Son of God. We ask our Lord for a special grace this day to prepare our hearts now at this Mass and for every Mass to receive His Son. Praise be Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.